that one's going to take a long time to get over. We're going to unpack it on today's Locked On Utes, but man, that is definitely what heartbreak feels like. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. My name is JT Wistersell, and thank you for making Lockdown Utes your first listen every single day. Love interacting with you guys on social media at JT Wistersell and at Locked On Utes. Also, make sure you guys subscribe to our channel. We're all available on all platforms, including YouTube. And on today's show, we're going to be unpacking that. Just heartbreaking loss yesterday to Oregon. That really feels like, yes, Utah's still alive for the Pac-12 championship game, but just really felt like the official nail in the coffin to what was such a promising season for the Utes. And we're going to get into all that with friend of the show joining me, Dante Guardi. And man, Dante, just starting out with general game thoughts. That was just, as I said in the open, just such a heartbreaker. I mean, just so many, so many ups and downs emotionally. You go into half, you're down 17 to three. You're so deflated. And then that turnover by the Ducks on their first drive of the half when they put the backup quarterback in whose name's escaping me off the top of my head right now. But then he makes that mistake. It's And then Karene scoops and scores. It's like, oh, my gosh, we're still in this. And then the offense eventually has that drive where Jalen Dixon scores. And you're like, this is it. We got it. And then you, t- if you told me at halftime in the second half, our defense would only surrender three points. I'm like, we're going to win this. And especially if you tell me how many op- opportunities we would have in the fourth quarter. But. Cam threw a really tough interception and a double coverage. The other ones were tough. I give a lot of credit to the Ducks defensive line there for having active hands in those situations. Of course, I'd like those balls to be higher. I'd like the Utah offensive line to do a better job engaging a little bit there and not giving them those opportunities to sit back. But that's also just great players making plays and really bad luck for the Utes, which and sometimes luck's been on their side this season. A lot of times in this game, it wasn't. But then you get Cam missing. Dalton on the fourth down was devastating. And it's just really tough way to lose a game when your defense gave you so many chances to win it and offensively you just come up short in the fourth quarter yeah you hit the nail right on the head uh ty thompson is the name of that backup quarterback and then when i was watching that play the Krenne play for some reason it felt like the energy felt really weird like the announcer's reaction to it i, I was like is this counting like it, there it was were a couple very, things very odd um but obviously like that was the whole momentum shift mm-hmm. really emotional game lost my voice pretty heavily um as a you result did. you lost yeah. it yeah what's that i said you ended up losing it yeah, no, I'm, yeah. I'm, I've been in shambles all day, um, but it was just, just, just brutal, man. No, no other way around it. And it was like so many opportunities and you, you pretty much hit the, hit the nail right in the head. But like, if you told me that Oregon was going to rush for what, 55 yards, average oh my gosh. three yards per carry, yeah. like I would have been, I would have said Utah's winning this game by, by 20 plus by 30 points. Like that is huge, especially with Bo Nix not being a hundred percent. Um, the whole thing with Cam and the balls being batted, I feel like that might have been kind of a long time coming, especially with him not being as mobile because he throws from kind of yeah. a sidearm arm slot. So, I mean, it could have been just a long time coming, especially with him not being able, being able to escape as much as he usually does, being as active as he usually is. But, man, just so many missed opportunities, um, just a lot of a lot of things that did not go our way. Yeah. And that's like you mentioned, just things didn't go our way. And we'll do every as we ever do every week, we get into kind of our takeaways from the game and 
I'll just start with this one. This was about as bad a time as it could have come for Cam to play his worst game as a Ute. And I think that fourth quarter was probably the worst quarter I've seen him play too, unfortunately. And Cam has been a great player for this Utah team. I mean, we don't win the Pac-12 championship without him. He's done so much for this team. And I know everyone's saying he's going to go on. Um, performances like that do make me question his NFL future. So we'll see if he does truly end up going on. And But the, all those future discussions can come another day. It's just... It's so tough. He was 21 for 38 in this game, three interceptions. As we mentioned, the two of them were the combination of all those different things that we mentioned, but just those ones late in the game where that opportunity you have on fourth down, when you have Dalton wide open like that, it's just a mistake you can't make. We were talking about the Florida mistake in week one, like just the interception. Yeah, in that one, that was another just ball. We wish you could add back a mistake you can't make, but that's like, that was a one-time thing we thought. And then this just can't happen this late in the season. And I will say, I don't think Cam is healthy. I think there's something there that we don't know about. I And it's the reason he looked a little shaky against both Stanford and Arizona, especially early on in those games. And unfortunately, he was never able to shake out of it in this game. But just too many missed throws. Yeah, it was a little uncomfortable in the pocket at times. Credit the Ducks. They were doing a good job getting pressure. And that was one thing I had a huge question going into this game was how would Utah's offensive line hold up against a Ducks defensive line that there's no Kayvon Thibodeau over there, but there's still some really good players. I actually did think Utah would be able to win that matchup. And credit Oregon. They were able to win, and I felt like, and yes, Utah was able to have some strong rushing performances, but man, when it mattered most, Oregon was able to make those plays. And some of them were self-inflicted by Utah, as we mentioned. I just mentioned the throw where he threw it in the Dalton's feet, but also talking about, man, that interception. They did a good job bringing the corner blitz off the edge, flustered Cam, but just don't panic in that situation. They literally, there were two guys on top of Dalton there. You can't throw that ball right there. You have to recognize that. And he made the other mistake there. And then, yes, I wish Solomon Enos and Makai Cope would have came up with two of those catches that kind of ended the game officially because Utah was still marching with a chance to get in the field goal range. Um, whether they would have been able to hit that field goal, no matter where they would have gotten it to, is a conversation for another day, but... Just so many missed opportunities by the guy that coming into the season, I was like, this is the best quarterback in the Pac-12. This is the guy who I thought USC Cam was the guy we would see again in this game. And whether it is injuries or just an off game again, it's just it's a really tough way for him to go out against a team like Oregon. And obviously we're going to see him against Colorado. He'll definitely play in the bowl game and who knows about the future, but just to, leaves a really bad taste in your mouth for a guy who's done so much for this team. Yeah, definitely. You got to take the negatives with the positives. I mean, after the USC game, we were all saying this guy's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And now all of a sudden it's the opposite. And it's like, well, at the same time, we wouldn't have even been in this position if he didn't do what he did against USC. If he didn't will the entire team back on his own and pretty much carry him and Dalton and that connection um, had, had their moments in that game. But when it mattered the most, just didn't connect. Um, and that's 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 all she wrote, really. And as for the future. I mean, I, I would be shocked to see Cam get drafted, especially. I mean, that's an yes. Oregon secondary that was giving up the most passing yards in the no. nation per game. Cam's out here averaging less than five yards per attempt, um, not completing a high low, high percentage of his throws. Obviously, there were some drops, but overall, I mean, it was just a really lackluster performance, and I'd be shocked to see him get drafted. I want him to stay. I think he should stay. Um, obviously, up in the air, we'll see what happens. But, um, I mean, at the end of the day, we still have a chance, kind of, a uh, slim shot, but – it's still there, and you never really know what can happen. I mean, any given Saturday, that's college football for you. Should actually mention that really quick, and I should have apologized for this earlier for all of you who watched my uh, my Locked On Now last night. I said the Ute season was over. I was trying to follow all the scenarios before something got pushed out late. I, I thought Utah was done. I really did after that loss and the way everything worked out. But the Utes somehow, in what is basically the equivalent of the NFL, like week eight, where you need like six different things to happen to be able to make it into the wild card, it's basically what Utah needs to happen. Now, I will say a couple of those are actually – very likely starting out with look 
UCLA. They're a really good team. They proved it again. Yes, they lost to USC. We know how good USC is. They gave us everything we could handle and in a lot of ways probably should have won that game at Rice-Eccles. So we know how good USC is. UCLA will take care of business against Cal on Friday, I totally believe. Washington will go to Washington State. Look, anything can happen in rivalry games. That Washington State team that we thought like, oh, looks so bad against us, they just went out and beat Arizona, who just beat UCLA. So they're definitely capable of beating Washington, even though Washington is good. Let's not forget that Washington this season lost to Arizona State. So they are capable of having those bad performances. And against rivalries, anything can happen. And then lastly, going into the final one you look at Oregon and Oregon State that's another rivalry game and when you get in those once again anything can happen so the Utes if all that happens for the Utes where Oregon State beats Oregon then Utah would be able to get in so they're technically still alive Dante but I just feel it just feels very deflating the way it played out last week and it just it does feel like at least for what the goals of this team were was at least make it back to the Pac-12 championship I just feel like it's not going to happen if it does I'm super excited and very ecstatic to be covering that game but I just don't feel like it's going to, and I do feel like it's kind of official now that this season is a disappointment. Yeah, obviously the, slot, the, the shot is slim, and we need just a lot of things that are outside of our control to happen. Um, rivalry games, like you said, anything can happen, man. That's 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 how college football is. But I mean, I, I'm on I'm on board with you. Uh, I don't I don't really see Utah getting a shot because even if all those things do happen, I still think that they'll go to like a tiebreaker, and it would be like the strongest combined strength of schedule between the, all the teams that are tied. So even at that point, it's still a question mark. Like Utah probably has the highest strength of schedule at the moment, but I mean, that could all change, you know? So it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, I'd be stoked if we were there. I'd be stoked if we went to, back to the Rose Bowl. Um, but at this point, I'm, I'm kind of planning on us going to Vegas, but not for the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, definitely starting to feel like we're heading for a Vegas Bowl. So going to be interesting to see how it all plays out the rest of the way we're going to come back in a second and talk about a few more things in this game including the play offensive play calling which i wasn't the biggest fan of as i can imagine a number of you are in a moment but first want to talk to you guys about simply safe did you know over the holidays property crimes like burglaries package thefts spike nationally that's why our friends at simply safe home security are offering 50 percent of their award-winning security system so that more families can feel safe and secure this holiday season order your simply safe system for half off today and enjoy advanced security and a greater peace of mind during the holiday season. Simply Safe is a home security with an advanced sensor for every room, window, and door. HD security cameras for inside and out. Smarter ways to detect motion that alert you only when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that detect fires, floods, or other threats that may happen at your home. It's the top rated Simply the top rated Simply Safe app is available in the App Store. It allows you to stay in complete control of your system anytime, anywhere, arm or disarm on. Unlock for any guests access your cameras at any time or adjust your settings. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash URL today. This is the biggest dif- discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on college. There's no safe like Simply Safe. So make sure you guys head over there and check out the great offer that Simply Safe has in store for you guys. Also, I want to talk to you guys about UCCU. UCCU is offering a 15th month 15 month savings certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.00%. Guys, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but as you know, those interest rates and inflation rates, they're both on the rise as if we hadn't noticed, but UCCU is here to help. As I mentioned that offer a 15 month savings certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.00%. So make sure you guys head over to uccu.com to learn more and get a savings certificate today. Opening a savings certificate is super easy at UCCU. You can do it online over the phone or stop by any UCCU branch. But remember, this is an offer for limited time only. So you got to cash in on it now. 
It's an incredible opportunity for people to build your savings. So make sure you guys head over to uccu.com to learn more and get a savings certificate today. And it's a 15th month savings certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.00%. UCCU, love where you bank. It's important to love where you bank because I don't know about you guys, but I did not love a lot of the play calling yesterday from Andy Ludwig. And I, Andy Ludwig is a guy who helped Utah reach the reach the Pac-12 championship last year, helped them win it, has done a lot of good things for this team. But I think in the offseason, he's going to have to tinker some things a little bit. I just didn't love, and I think Kyle Whittingham is part of this too. I just don't love trying to run it so many times on back-to-back downs, especially when after you're in first and 10 and you get a yard, you turn right back to the ground because this is an Oregon team that barely gives up over 100 yards on the ground. And yes, Utah was able to have some rushing success, but especially earlier in the game, I felt like they put themselves in a lot of bad situations because they were so committed to the run. And yes, as we talked about, Cam, I don't think he was 100% healthy. I know Dalton wasn't 100% healthy. And he almost made another incredible sideline catch, I'll add as well. I thought he had two feet down just in live time, just because he did it last time. And then you could see on the replay, he was just short of making that grab. But man, it just feels like this Utah team, there's not as much creativity in the passing game. And it's something I would like to see more of in the offseason going forward. And I think part of that is you need a few more weapons. Solomon Enos was hampered by an injury, but hasn't been the guy we hoped for this season. Money Parks hasn't been able to do some of the things that we kind of hoped like he'd have a couple moments and then come back. And it's the same thing with Jalen Dixon, just a couple moments. And I think some of that is on the game planning. And I think some of that is also on those players as well. So they go hand in hand, same thing for Devon Vele and a couple of those, those situations. So it's tough, but yeah, I just feel like we have to tweak, tweak a few things if we're Utah to kind of go the way that some of these teams are advancing with their play calling, because I did feel like the game plan was a little too conservative and I just didn't like trying to, you mentioned earlier, the Oregon secondary deficiencies and, just felt like we were not trying to really attack those and instead just trying to impose our will and brand of football. And I think the smarter thing to do would have been to drop back more. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And I think with Andy, it's you look at the bigger games. I feel like he gets less creative in these bigger games and he kind of simplifies the offense. Whereas when Utah plays against like an Arizona or a Colorado, you were running a bunch of jet sweeps, getting guys out in Mm -hmm. space, emphasizing their athleticism. Whereas this game is just like really cookie cutter, not really creative and, it just gets it just gets frustrating, and a lot of it was just a mix of miscommunications, just poor play, poor execution, and poor play calling. There were a couple times on like third and medium, kind of third and long. I think we went empty set, which I is one of the things that I absolutely hate. I, I cannot stand it when offensive coordinators go empty set on third and medium, third and long, because the opponent's obviously bringing a blitz. Like there's no yeah. possible way around it, and the only thing that you can really do when they bring a blitz is blitz is hit your hot, and with your hot, you're only getting four or five yards. You're not getting the first down. It's, it's just just mind boggling. Just frustrating stuff like i get that's what people used to do back in the day but like this is the new era of football like things mm-hmm. have changed you gotta, you gotta get with the times and then the the play that keeps repeating in my head um it was early not really on andy i mean the money was open and it was cam uh airing it out and overthrowing i think it was dalton who was in double coverage it was devon that, actually devon yeah on that yeah. fourth and three and money's like right there at the sticks like just give him the ball I- man and Oh, I'll actually say one thing, Dante. I'm not 100% sure money comes up with that pass because if you look at where the DB is, he's right there too. So I actually think it would have been close. I, money was undoubtedly the bet, the better of the options of the two. He had, yeah. he should have gone to money there. But I will say, I think it would have been close if he makes the play because if you look at the DB, he's reading Cam's eyes and he does see, he's trying to help on Devon a little bit because he sees Cam eyeing Devon the all way. We know how much Cam locks in on Dalton and Devon too. So I personally feel like, 
I just don't know if it would have been completed, but there's no doubt in my mind to your point, that was definitely the better option than going deep, which we criticized Cam earlier. That's just another thing. It also feels like he's going to have to work on is going into next season is getting more of these guys involved in the offense. It would have been interesting to see the kind of season Devon Vale would have had if Brant Keithy had stayed healthy. Yeah, I mean, with Brent out or with Brent in kind of, I think it opens up more opportunities for all these other guys because he was such a hard cover. Um, same with Dalton. And I mean, Devon is still having some good moments, but I, I mean, it would be interesting to see how that would happen. I think his like efficiency would go up, but I think the total production would be a little bit less just because yeah. there aren't as many chances. But I think the, I think he'd create more big plays because there's less of an emphasis to guard him um, by defense coordinators because obviously you got Brent Keith and Dalton McKay, arguably the best tight end duo in the entire country um, on that Utah. So, yeah. so pretty much uncoverable. Like you watch the Miami Dolphins and yeah. that team is uncoverable. I mean, it's very different. Obviously they were, yeah. they were wide receiver heavy. Utah got some tight ends, but similar type of thing. You got two guys mismatch that are lead at their position. It's just an obvious mismatch against whoever you yep. play. Yeah, very true. No, 100%. It's different players, but they do the same thing. They're just yeah. absolute game changers, and you got to know where they are at all times on the field. And Utah only has one of those guys right now, which is one of the unfortunate things, and it's the reason this team finds themselves in the position. I have one other takeaway we're going to get to in a second, but I'm going to slip another one in here just because I feel like it has to be talked about. But um, this Utah football team has to figure out their kicking situation. We cannot keep having these situations where in these big games you have a kicker misses a 38 yarder just you drive down the field it happened against usc where we got in field goal range and you miss a field goal and these are so deflating and so hard to come back on it is it's just really frustrating it's something that's got to change going forward and i don't know how you go about doing it whether if you need to bring in a specific kicking coach if you need to make a change at the special teams coordinator position because there have been some issues at kickoff as well but this is something that needs to be addressed more and it's cost Utah opportunities to win games. I don't want to just go out and say it's straight up cost Utah games because there's far too many facets of a football game for me to go. That's the reason we lost a game, but I think you could overcome some of the issues we had. That's my dog Thor, by the way, for everyone who just got up in the background, <laughs> making a little bit of cameo um, in the video, but some of those issues might be covered up. If it's like, Oh, we turned the ball over there. Well, thankfully Jaden hit that one really long kick. So we're good here. That's just something that sentence we've never said this season. So it's got to change going forward. You've got to figure out this kicking situation. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was watching some ball earlier in the day and it was watching the Michigan Illinois game. And the stat that came up when the Michigan kicker uh, made the game winning field goal was like, he was 40 of 41 or 39 of 40 on field goals can do that within like 30 yards or something like that. I was, I was like, dang, and they won the game, you know? And it's like, if Jaden Redding was on Michigan, like they probably would have a loss right now. I mean, yep. something like that. So just very frustrating. The kicking situation is, and I mean, it's just, just time after time after time. And it keeps on becoming frustrating. Yep. And I mean, Utah's playing high level opponents now, like mm -hmm. these games are going to be close, you know, in the swamp. That's a close game. Florida gives everyone a tough out at home um, at UCLA. I mean, obviously the kicking was a really good football team, like there. to your point, but like all these really good teams that you're playing where, you know, it's going to yeah. be a close game. You need your special teams to be on point. And you look at next year too. We start the season with Florida again, and then we got to go at Baylor. Those are two games that will likely go down to the wire. So, I mean, they need to, they really need to figure it out and figure it out quick. We need to do that Alabama method and just start scheduling more citadels. And then I think we'll be fine going forward. <laughs> Who they pay Austin pay this weekend or yeah. whatever it was. I'm glad That's they did. Yeah, get a little break before, even though they're basically going to have one against Auburn next week. Sorry, Auburn fans, if you're listening. My boss is actually even an Auburn fan, so if you're listening, hi, Zach. But we're going to come back in a second at this one, and I do want to give a lot of credit to the defense because of what they did, and we're going to talk about them in a moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at Nissan. Our partners at Nissan have worked with us to create a new segment across the Locked On College Network titled Thrilling Moments, where we highlight the most exciting plays from either a game or throughout history. And 
You know what? I will bring up one from this game. Originally, I was going to bring up Britton Covey's kick from last year because, uh, punt, excuse me, punt return. That was just so incredible. But I'm going to talk about Clark Phillips, man. I mean, he just hadn't gotten an interception in so long because teams weren't targeting him. And for him to make that play in that moment and in an alternate reality, set Utah up to eventually go out and win that game probably. It's just such a big play in that situation with everything on the line and your team absolutely needs a moment. And the best play, one of the best players on this Utah team. I mean, it feels like when Dalton's fully healthy, it's either him or Clark. Honestly, I might go with Clark for the very best just because we don't hear his name get called throughout the games because he's not targeted. He gave up one touchdown earlier in this one, but still, like you just, even when he made that pick, I was like, man, they've barely even thrown at Clark this half because that's just how good he is. So I give so much credit to Clark Phillips and I love watching him make that play late because he's just one of those dudes. Yeah, I think Clark's the best player on this team. You look at the Pac-12 conference and the depth at the receiver position, like every single team has pretty much an elite wide receiver one with I know. Franklin on Oregon, Bobo on UCLA, Cowing on Arizona, out of obviously the Belitnikoff winner and Jordan Addison, whereas defenses, I mean, sure, there's still some good Pac-12 defenses, but the yeah. caliber of wide receiver is much higher than the caliber of defenses in the Pac-12 conference. So what Clark has done this season is truly special, man. Like six interceptions. I know he was tied for second in the nation um, coming into this game of five. I'm not sure if the one dude who had six yeah, on another pick or not. Um, but I, I'd bank on Clark being tied for the lead in interceptions now. I mean, he's been elite all season long, elite speed, great ball skills, and he's really – um, flourished under under Morgan Scali. He's really progressed awesomely. I mean, there's no doubt about it. There's really no weakness in his game that he's shown this year at the college level, and I'm stoked to see how he does in the pros because he completely he deserves every bit of praise he's gotten. Yeah, he's definitely gone. He's going to be a, uh, probably a second-round guy, it feels like, at this point. Yeah. But even, no matter where, if it's second round, he's definitely going on day one or day two of the draft for sure because of the season and the tape he's put out there. So this segment has been brought to you by the thrilling new designs featured across the Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the new Frontier Armada or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. Dante, we got to talk about the defense yesterday because I mentioned, we mentioned the interception. We talked about it a little bit earlier too, but just Karene's scoop and score in that situation was so huge. But you really hold the Ducks in check on the ground. And especially in the second, just the second half, to only give up three points to that offense after how well they had moved the ball too. Um, and also, how about our, our guy Jonah Ellis didn't even play. We were talking about him last much, how big a party he was going to be in this game plan. For the use to still be able to get some pressure a little bit in this one, I thought was really encouraging. I... I want to be careful with my words here. I really wish this Utah staff had used Diabate more off the edge early on this season. I just think he is such an asset as a pass rusher. And you saw what Devin Lloyd could do in those situations. And you know he's not that good in coverage either. I don't get why it was like we had to force and try to make Nikki Sugataraga or Connor O'Toole better pass rushers when you have a guy who's already capable of getting at the quarterback at the level. Because Diabate, man, he was getting in there a couple times and he never got a sack, but just putting some pressure on Bo, making him throw away. You just, that speed is so hard to deal with. I wish he would have gotten in more throughout the season. But I mean, look at Gabe Reed leading Utah in tackles. We talked, I mean, both the Reed brothers were awesome. This one, Cole left the game, but then comes out and still makes some plays. Uh, Samote Beppel. Peppa had the big sack and we just know what a beast he is too. So just so much credit to Morgan Scally and this defense for especially the second half they had, because my gosh, what a masterful performance to hold that offense in check in a way they haven't been held in check all year. And I know Bo Nix wasn't right and all the credit in the world for him to play in, but they still moved the ball in the first half and they couldn't do that in the second. Yes, Samote Peppa is a fantastic under-the-radar pick to make the all-conference first team next season because as of late, he's been just fantastic against the run, against the pass, doing literally everything that he's being asked to do. And then with Mo Diabate, 
I'm not even going to lie. Like, I hate to sound like a liar, but I mean, early in the season, I literally, I expected him to play defensive end when he came to Utah. Yeah. Because, I mean, I was looking at the numbers and I was like, he is really dang good. And then you look at like Lander. I mean, if you look at Diabate's production at Florida against the run and coverage and stuff like that, like I, I don't really think they needed to use him there. I think if they made Lander like a full-time linebacker yeah. and just have him and Karene out there, I, I don't think there'd be a drop-off in production whatsoever, um, especially in coverage, especially against the run. And Mo Diabate is best utilized on the defensive end. Like his win rate yeah. last season was top 20 out of any linebacker in the nation. He was like top 20 in pressures as well. Like the, the pass rushing numbers. So he was recruited to Florida as, and they moved him off ball last year. And then he, and he wasn't good, as good last yeah. year either. So we, I thought we could turn him around a little bit, but it just feels like we made the same mistake they did because he did get beat a couple times yesterday, still in coverage. Definitely. I mean, he's, he's a great athlete. He is really yes. a great athlete and he's got nice range. He can use his hands. I mean, he should be on the edge, especially when you have Jonah Ellis out um, and the other guys are pretty inexperienced. Like Connor O'Toole, it's still his first year playing the position. So you can't be expecting him to get a pressure every 10 snaps because that's just not going to happen for a guy who's new to that spot. I mean, over the, over the course of the next couple of years, sure. He can, he can develop into a great pass rusher, but as for right now, it's just not there. It's not really his fault. It's just, he's new to, new to the position. Yes. And without Jonah, I mean, we're really lacking depth, especially without Van as well. So, I mean, the injuries just keep on piling and piling on and we need to use our best athletes where they're going to be utilized the best. It's, it's as simple as that. And I think that we didn't really do a great job of doing that yesterday. I'll, I'll even say on the season, because it just once again happened where, Look, I don't, we're not that at practice. So I don't know what happened with Jaron Kump. I don't know what happened with Falcon Kalmatule, why this team lost all faith in them to be right tackle. But I really like Michael Mokofisi. He's done a lot of good things. And, but man, it just feels like Satawa Lomea should be the starting right guard for this team. And one of those two tackles I mentioned should have started a tackle because a big third down in that game was when Tavion got walloped and it was Mokofisi who didn't come over to make the block. So just time and time again, we've talked about these guys coming over and playing new positions and, they have struggled. And I mean, someone, yes, Braden Daniels switched over to the opposite side, but he'd already been playing tackle. So I don't really count that one. We knew he could do that well. So that's just an issue this Utah team has had this year. And there's a number of things I'm going to be interested to see how this coaching staff evaluates, especially if they do lose their starting quarterback and have to do, do a lot of things creatively because they're losing a lot of big names off this team. So it's going to be interesting to monitor and see how it, uh, all goes from there. But uh, we mentioned what the defense could do um, when we're talking about game balls for this one. Um, I think if I was given one on offense, I would give one to Dalton just because for playing out there as tough as he did still made a number of big catches in this one, two, and nearly came down with another monster one that really would have been a game changer in terms of the offense. It's probably the only one I'm going to give out to the offensive side of the ball. So going to the defense, I mentioned the Reed brothers leading Utah and tackle Karen making the huge play. Got to give one to Clark too, for coming up with the big one. Um, I mentioned Diabate as a pass rusher, Samote Peppa, even RJ Hubert had a couple of huge plays in this one. I'm just, and as my dog Thor comes back into the shots here, um, just as and wants to exit that too. I feel, I guess he feels like he was, he, he's a little shy. He doesn't like the spotlight in this one. Um, but anyways, I just really give almost everyone on the defense to me, uh, deserved a game ball in this one. Um, maybe not JT Broughton cause he got beat that one time, but, um, I mean, honestly he got beat once and then was, we never heard his name called again because he was really good. Same thing was Maya Vaughn got beat and then made a couple of huge plays too. So all the credit in the world to this Utah defense that put together the best second half of football they have put together this season. And it's unfortunate again, that the offense squandered it. Yeah. For me, my game ball would simply be Clark. I mean, I don't really think yeah. too much of an explanation is needed. I mean, he just played his played his butt off really and he's been doing it all year for us playing at an extremely high level and coming up clutch in a moment like that where you really needed that type of play and he did just that i mean and if if that guy doesn't get his get his arm in front of his legs i mean he's probably going back for seven and it's mm -hmm. we're talking about utah going to the pac-12 championship game and possibly being a top seven ranked team on tuesday so as unfortunate as it is that's just how the cookie crumbles clark had a hell of a game and i mean i really respect his effort i really respect what he's done all year so 
I mean, he's, he's, he's my game ball for sure. Yeah. I'm totally with you, Dante. I think he was sensational and yeah, once again, it's just a really tough way for, it feels like this Utah football season to come to a close. Yes, there's a bowl game, but it feels like for what the goals were when I came into the season, I'm someone I was wrong. I thought this team was, I predicted this team to go to the college football playoff. We knew after week one, that was already going to be an uphill battle and they weren't able to do it, of course. But then I'm like, all right, still Pac-12 championship. I love the way this team had been playing and the defense continued to play like they'd been playing really, especially in the second half. And it was just unfortunate. As we mentioned, the theme of this is Cam Rising and the Utah offense combined with Andy Ludwig's game plan. Don't get it done in Oregon. So all the credit in the world to the Ducks. And I think if it what I expect to happen is I do expect Oregon to win next week and I then expect them to be in basically, but um, Dante, I'll throw it to you for this last one because we both expect Utah to beat Colorado, obviously. How do you see next week's Pac-12 slate playing out? Yeah, so it's really, really tough. I'm not going to lie. After seeing what Washington State did to Arizona, um, I I am a lot higher on them than I originally expected to be, especially their defense. I'm still not super impressed with Cameron Ward, and Washington will probably get the win there. But, I mean, if you watched that game yesterday, Arizona was like eighth in the nation in passing yards per game, and Washington State made Jaden Delora – just look like a deer in headlights, simply put. And against a team like Washington, who runs a very similar scheme, basically a lot of a lot of wide receivers, a lot of just passing plays. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Washington State does against them. And Washington's defense hasn't been great all year. And I mean, what Washington State does on offense, it's it's not super pretty. It's, they're not going to be really explosive, but I mean, they methodically move the ball downfield and they can chew clock, even though with the amount of times they throw the ball, like they had a drive against Arizona that was like seven minutes and it was pretty much all pass play. It's just like four yard check downs and seven yard hitches, stuff like that. And it's really whatever gets the job done with Oregon State. I actually do think Oregon State wins that game Ooh. because because Oregon State's pass rush is terrible. And Oregon, they don't let anyone get a pass rush to begin with. So that yeah, doesn't really yeah. factor any of their games. So it's like, Oregon State will still be able to play their game, and Oregon's biggest weakness or Oregon's biggest strength, which is their, which is pass pro, basically. Yep. I mean, it's just going to be as it, as it is. And Oregon State's so, literally so good at everything except for getting pressure. Quarterback position is a little shaky, but running back Damian Martinez has really come on lately. Um, he's been fa- fantastic as a true freshman. Their secondary is awesome. Got good linebackers, and they're pretty solid against the run, even though they're not the best at getting to the quarterback. So, I mean, I think that Oregon State team's really well-rounded, especially at home. Um, they lost to Oregon last year, so you got a little bit of a revenge factor there. And Oregon's still beat up. Like, Utah's beat up too. Like, both those teams were heavily beat up. Yeah. Uh, Oregon State's pretty healthy. They've been rolling recently. They've beaten a lot of bad teams by a lot of points. And I expect them to get up for this game. Jonathan Smith knows what he's doing. He's an alumni. He knows what this game means. Uh, give me the Beavers, man. Give me the Beavers. And then for UCLA, I, I expect them to get expect them to handle business against Cal. So do you expect, with all that playing out then, who do you expect to be in the Pac-12 championship game? Man, I, I don't like to say Utah because I don't want to sound like a homer. I, yeah. I don't love the performance last night. I mean, but at that point, it's probably going to be to be Utah as, as it is. Um, but obviously, you still got that tiebreaker thing going on. Nobody really knows how the Pac-12 does this whole thing. Um, yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how it shapes out. I honestly have no idea how the tiebreakers work. I looked at their site and I like couldn't really understand any of it. All I know is the last one was a coin toss. And I was like, if they really let this thing go to a coin toss, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, if that's the case, if Utah's in, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm really happy. Um, and I, I hope we get the win and go back to Pasadena and hopefully get the job done there. I would be too. And man, there would be, it would be really fun and interesting to see if this Utah team could get it done. Uh, last stat we're going to end the night with. Um, I think if I would have told you, Dante, and everyone else listening to this, that we would hold Bucky Irving to under 30 yards rushing, finish the game with 20. 
And for Franklin, he only had four catches for 14 yards. I think everyone would be like, oh, yeah, Utah wins this game for sure. And that's what's crazy about stats. You could got to look at it one way and be like, oh, oh, yeah, well, we're good. And yeah, we weren't fine. But either way, it's going to be fun and interesting because, as you mentioned, Utah is not dead in this. And it's going to be fun talking about the potential they have all week long to still possibly maybe somehow still confuses me, go to a Pac-12 championship game. So make sure you guys keep it here at Locked On Utes as your first listen every single day. Also want to thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. And of course, checking out our second listen every day, which is Locked On Sports Today, the podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Dante, always great having you on. Make sure you guys go check out Dante's great work at Zone. Also give him a follow at Dante Guardi on Twitter. Dante, always follow me. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, appreciate you, JT. All right. Thank you guys again for making Lockdown Utes your first listen every day. And we'll be back with more content, breaking down this game and some other stuff coming up for Colorado later this week.